it all comes down to how determined you are and, and how willing to willingness to learn um, because things change every single day. Technology is always changing, so there's always new ways to, to attack an organization. But I guess it just goes to show you how easy it is for any hacker to get into my computer. And I'm definitely going to think twice before clicking on any links or storing any passwords in my notes app. This is C-Suite. The podcast where you'll hear stories from real people, leaders, and cybersecurity experts about how to stay connected and protected. Every episode, we'll explore different cyber challenges and highlight the many ways we can enhance our online security, reduce the likelihood of attacks, and improve our digital confidence. I'm your host, Claudette McGowan. When you hear the term hacker, it tends to conjure images of a malicious tech expert slumped at a computer desk, shrouded in darkness as they tap into the world's secrets. But what about ethical hackers? The tech-savvy knights in shining armor who are using their powers for good instead of evil. The past decade has seen a rise in a new type of hacker called an ethical hacker, or a white hat hacker. These men and women want to use their hacking know-how for good, and a legal market for their skills has rapidly emerged. There's this creativity, there's this curiosity, and there's this kind of almost mischief in how you think, um, but then that's coupled with a strong moral framework and, and like ethical framework to actually use that for good. Ethical hackers are IT professionals who simulate hacking situations within an organization in order to identify blind spots and potential threats. Ultimately, they protect against cyber attacks. When an ethical hacker finds a bug, they disclose the security issue in exchange for cash or other rewards in what's known as a bug bounty program. So we're like a neighborhood watch. We come to your house, we look for ways to break in, and if we can break in, we tell you. We don't break in, we tell you how we could have done it. It's important for organizations to engage in ethical hacking practices often so they can be aware of vulnerabilities and avoid data breaches. On today's episode, my colleague Zane leads us step-by-step through a simulated hacking situation, revealing some of the blind spots many of us may be missing. He shares the inner workings of a malware attack or phishing scheme, what makes you an easy target for a hacker, and tips for how people can protect their devices from a similar breach. One of the tools used by ethical hackers for their activities is a software called Cobalt Strike. For our demonstration today, Zane has identified one of our producers, Steph, as his target. Hi, I'm Steph, and I'm one of the producers of C-Suite. I'm not super careful about what I do online. I definitely don't really use the privacy settings on any of my social media accounts, but I honestly figure it's fine because most of my friends and family also have open accounts, so I figure that what I'm doing is perfectly normal. Since Steph isn't worried about her online activity, we thought it would be a great opportunity to see if Zane is able to access one of her devices. Turns out, after only a few clicks, Zane is able to glean more information about her interests and pastimes, which gives him an advantage going into the attack. Basically, to start off, 
any red team engagement, any attack, you're going to perform OSINT, which is open source intelligence. So searching the internet to find as much information about the target. Um, in this case, it's going to be Steph. So we're going to learn as much about her as we possibly can. Uh, so we're going to leverage social media. It's a big thing. Everyone has a social media account um, or multiple accounts. So based on, on the recon we're able to do with Steph, we found out that she really enjoys yoga. So now we, if we frame a phishing campaign that's yoga related, it's going to increase our chances of, of compromising her. Um, so in that case, we could send a phishing email to Steph, maybe offering a free month of, of yoga or a free yoga mat if you sign up for, for a, a subscription. Once Zane has done his recon of Steph's personal interests, he's able to use the information to personalize his campaign, which will increase the likelihood that she'll take the bait. In this case, the hack will take the form of a phishing email, a common entry point for hackers. Zane breaks down how this process unfolds. And when she clicks that link, we could do a few things. One, it could just be a document. Maybe it's an informational document about yoga. And when you click that link and you open the document, it's got macros. And once the macros run, that is where we'll get our initial compromise. With Cobalt Strike, uh, pretty much Cobalt Strike is your C2 software. It's going to provide a mechanism for you to interact with those connections. So when Steph clicks the link and we have a connection to her machine, that's our foothold onto her laptop and whatever network she's attached to, work, home, uh, wherever she is. When those connections come in, you'll see at the top of the screen on Cobalt Strike, you'll see IP addresses, you'll see the username, you'll see the host name, and that's our connection to, to her machine. And just like that, our hacker is in. Now that Steph's device has been compromised, Zane has access to everything on her computer. In this case, what we're going to do is keylog the user, uh, try to steal some credentials. We're going to take a screenshot of their machine, try to see if they're working on any sensitive documents. Maybe we can, we can take some data through that screenshot. And then finally, we're going to take a, a webcam snap. And, and that'll just be a picture of the person we, that we compromised. Some other things we can do are turn on the microphone and record audio. So if they're involved in any sensitive discussions or sensitive meetings, we can definitely start stealing information that way as well. As Zane has demonstrated, all it takes is one click on a phishing email for the entire device to be compromised. Once the victim takes the bait, it enables the hacker to steal credentials, view sensitive documents, take a webcam snap, or even record private conversations. From here, Zane's next step is to identify any processes running on Steph's computer so he can view her activities. So we're going to see what software is on the machine, what processes are running on the machine. Maybe there's a a vulnerable piece of software that we can exploit to escalate our privileges. But in this case, what we're going to do is we're going to inject into Explorer. And from there, we're going to start our keylogger. And the good thing with Cobalt Strike's keylogger is it provides context of where you are. So in this case, she's writing an email. And the good thing with Cobalt Strike as well is it, it provides everything that's typed. So if you hit the tab button, backspace, space button, all of that is in there as well. So at least if someone makes a mistake 
Um, it's not one big blob of text. It's you can see where the, the deletions were um, and be able to at least interpret what the text is, is telling you, especially if they make a mistake, type in their password. And in here we can start interacting with it. So each session is given a number and then that'll connect you to that uh, session that we have with Steph. Um, so you're given a prompt and then from that prompt, there's a, there's a bunch of different commands you could do uh, to do enumeration and things like that. Um, but in this case, we are going to take a screenshot and with the, uh, the dash V and true, it displays it to the screen. Um, we see she was typing an email. So we see Outlook is open. Uh, we see the email body, which matches what we have in our keylogger uh, log output. Then the next thing we're gonna do is take a, a screenshot from the webcam. If there's a light on the, on the webcam, you'd see the light turn on for a split second and, and that's it. Um, and then we're able to get a picture of who we compromise. Within minutes, Zane was able to infiltrate Steph's device, take screenshots of her activity, and even take a webcam photo. Understandably, Steph had no idea how easy it would be for a hacker to access her personal information in the blink of an eye. I was really surprised to see how easy it was for Zane to hack into my computer. I am honestly shocked. The fact that he was able to take a webcam photo of me and record my conversations is seriously disturbing. I had no idea something as simple as keeping my social media accounts open can lead to a complete invasion of privacy. I'm definitely going to think about how I'm using my social media and my email in the future. While an attack of this nature would be any individual's worst nightmare, it can mean even more destruction for an organization. According to Zane, the hacker can use this initial hack as the entry point into a larger organization to gather even more sensitive company info. If we're thinking that maybe you're not the direct target and then it's the organization we're going after, your laptop would be the foothold into the network. And then we can start doing enumeration of the network from there. So we could run certain commands to see where are we in the network? What segment are we in? What machines are around us? Um, and then you can start enumerating other laptops or servers within the network, try to find vulnerabilities and then jump away from that initial laptop to a server somewhere and then create a connection on the server, right? Rerun our malware there. And now we're off of your laptop and now we're on a server that's probably going to be on 100% of the time and our connection will be open 100% of the time. Um, so we don't have any downtime if you go home. But then from there, we can start enumerating more, um, looking for internal websites, intranet sites, maybe with information about applications or the targets we're going after um, and start slowly making our way to our end goal if it wasn't that initial user that we wanted to compromise. What started with a simple phishing email quickly snowballed into a large-scale data breach of an entire organization. Zane's demonstration reminds us all how important it is to remain vigilant and stay on guard for these kinds of attacks. Here are the tips he offered Steph for recognizing a phishing attempt quickly to avoid a breach in the future. Get a text message or a phishing email. The first red flag on it is Spelling and grammar, it's usually pretty bad. Um, sometimes it's, it's a little off, it just sounds off um, or just looks off. Um, the other things you can look for is if it sounds too good to be true, 
Um, so if, if it's some ad or, or some coupons for something and it just sounds too good, that's also a red flag. Also, just looking at the, the domain, so the who, who sent you the email, typically the domain can be a, a hint, uh, especially if it's a bit off. One of the things I do is if I get an email and it's asking me like, hey, you need to log in and change your, your profile information. It's all incorrect or your phone number is incorrect or whatever the case may be. I just browse directly to the link. If, if it's coming from my bank and they're telling me my profile is wrong, I should be able to log directly into the bank's website and have a notification there or go to my, go to my profile uh, that way instead of clicking the link in the email. In the age of information, keeping yourself and your organization safe from hackers is crucial. Zane shares some final tips with Steph to proactively avoid such attacks so she's not an easy target in the future. Any of your social media accounts, definitely lock them down. Um, especially if you, you could be giving out information you don't even think you're giving out, right? I know people put, sometimes put their phone numbers and email addresses on their social media and in their profiles and things like that. Um, some people even have their full home address on there. Definitely don't want to be doing that type of stuff. But initially, just if you lock down your social media to friends and stuff like that, at least you know who can see your profile and it's not just anyone uh, that could potentially be targeting you. And then talking about passwords, especially having passwords written down just like in a text file on your machine or even written down sitting on your desk. On your machine, if an attacker were able to make that connection to your machine, the first thing that an attacker will do is enumeration. So first you want to learn where you are. Um, so what are we sitting on? So you try to find things on that machine. Maybe there's sensitive documents. Maybe there's um, information that we could leverage to get us further within the network, right? To get away from that initial uh, laptop. So in, in, in your case, if you have passwords in a text file on there, that's definitely a gold mine for an attacker if they find that. And eventually they will, because it all comes down to time, right? And, and typically attackers have all the time in the world. That's just what they're doing. So they will find it and then they could de definitely leverage those passwords this has been a really eye-opening experience. Before, I didn't know how easy it was for a hacker to get into my computer or for me to potentially get targeted. At the end of the day, people have this perception that it's never going to be them, but it can really happen to anyone and clearly anyone can be me. So I've learned the importance of keeping my sensitive information safe, having different passwords for each of my accounts, and to always think twice before clicking on any links, especially emails that seem too good to be true, and storing my passwords in my notes app. I'm really glad that ethical hacking exists, and I'm so grateful for this experience to help highlight vulnerabilities like this. Zane's demonstration of an ethical hacking exercise sheds light on just how easy it can be for a bad actor to gain a foothold into anyone's device and as a result, their organization. Once a hacker gains entry into a device through a phishing scheme, they're able to access everything from passwords, credentials, to your computer's audio recording and webcam capabilities. Zane's tips for protecting yourself and your company against hackers include keeping social media accounts private and thinking twice before storing your passwords in an obvious location on your computer. I want to give a huge thank you to Zane and our producer Steph 
for an enlightening demonstration on today's episode. And thank you for listening to C-Suite. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a rating and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm Claudette McGowan. This has been the last episode of Season 1, but we'll be back in September to kick off Season 2. And remember, with over 4 billion of us online, we have to do everything possible to keep ourselves connected and protected.